You're listening to the Life with Old Dogs podcast, and I'm your host, Dawn Mimnaw, primary caretaker of all of our wonderful senior German Shepherds right here at Woody's Place Senior German Shepherd Sanctuary. Okay. going to start again. All right. We are recording. This is Dawn from Life with Old Dogs podcast, and I'm here with Diana Sackick from Animale Sanctuary in Philadelphia, Pen- uh, Philadelphia, Tennessee. I automatically started to say Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you get that a lot. All right. Uh, so Diana has a sanctuary of her own. Um, that uh, she cares for many animals, almost 50. Um, so Deanna's going to tell us about her experience with sanctuary life. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I am originally from Rhode Island. Uh, I joined the military straight out of high school. Um, wonderful experience. Um, I met my husband there. Uh, we, we stayed in for, we did our, our four years. Um, we did a little bit of moving around um, before finally making Tennessee our forever home. Um, my passion from animals comes from my dad. Uh, they've always been a part of my life in some manner, shape, or form. Uh, it's like second nature to me. And um, Did you choose Tennessee for, for personal reasons, or did you have the sanctuary mind? Like, I know some states are more... Uh, um, friendly to uh, sanctuaries for uh, uh, like for zoning purposes and stuff like that. So did you, did Tennessee, um, did Tennessee, was Tennessee your, your final destination there because of the sanctuary or was it just because you wanted to move there? A little bit of both, but the animals always are the priority. Uh, we had checked out a couple other states that we were really interested in going to. Um, but the weather, um, help, uh, family help, uh, mm-hmm. was also was huge here. Uh, and again, the weather was, it was just four good seasons. So we knew that it was going to accommodate the animals really, really well. Right. Um, and that's, that's why we said, okay, Tennessee, it is. Tennessee it is. And that's important. It is important to have a place where, you know, all four seasons jive with what you're doing on a daily basis when you're caring for a bunch of animals, especially yep. animals who are outside all the time, like like you have. Yep, that's the key word, outside. Right, right. Um, so you're, you said you talked about your passion for animals comes from your dad. Um, did, your, did your dad have farm animals? Is that how you, you came to be so intrigued with farm animals? He, um, he is Italian, so he was born and raised in Italy. And from what I hear from my grandparents and his brothers and sisters were that, which my aunts and uncles, was that he was always saving birds and always in the woods and playing and bringing stuff home. So, and he had this, the most unusual things he would bring home. So he had a little bit of everything and it was again it, for him too it was it was all natural it came natural for him he didn't study um it, again, second nature here we go again the second mm-hmm. nature so it just trickled down to me um 
follow in his footsteps, so to speak. Right, right. Um, and and you said that um, you said comes natural. So it is it is innate. Uh, being an animal rescuer is innate. It's something you're born with. Um, and then and then you nurture it throughout your life. So some people really love being around other people need to be around other people. But I feel like animal rescuers are natural uh, introverts and just gravitate toward animals. Yes. They want to be with animals. That's their comfort zone, I, I, I think. Correct? Is that how it is for you? A hundred percent. It's it's amazing. And then you're drawn to other animal people. And then you, right. you know, you just, you know that they're like-minded people and that it's going to work. Right. Now, you said your dad was from Italy. And um, your the name for your sanctuary is actually the the Italian pronunciation for the word animal. So could you yeah. say it for our listeners? It's pronounced animale sanctuary. Animale, yeah. That for some reason that's a tongue twister for me. Even though I look at your wonderful cup all the time, I have <laughs> I have your wonderful silly pint cup here with me right now. That uh, then I look at it, it's like animale. <laughs> <laughs> just mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's fun so um and that's fantastic because also i feel like it's in honor of your italian heritage as well yes. that's yes. that's uh, wonderful fantastic. it's wonderful <laughs> i i do i remember getting uh woke up um i think it had to have been maybe two o'clock in the morning and um Mom and dad woke us up and because our German shepherd was going into labor and going to give birth. So here we go, you know, trampling downstairs and we were able to watch her give birth. And I just, my eyes were wide open and it's just amazing uh, thing to be able to witness. Oh, Um, it sure is. And it's funny how those things never happen during the middle of the day. (laughs) It's always at night, (laughs) the coldest, (laughs) darkest night, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, um, so, so, uh, what is that? Why you decided to start a sanctuary then? Uh, because of your 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 passion for animals, your dad's love for animals, the fact that you were exposed to uh, life of of another animal at such an early age is is that why you decided to start a sanctuary? Being young, I would say right off the bat, yes to all of the above. Um, Then when I got a little bit older, um, you know, you would read, you know, in the newspaper, free to a good home, people giving dogs away at the market and animals Mm. just free, free. It it just kind of rocked my world. So that was the second start of it. And then the third start of it was when I was older and then I was able to realize the dark side, Mm -hmm. which is the animal abuse, the cruelty. So that's when I decided that that one day I was going to have my own sanctuary and it was going to be specifically for abused, neglected and disabled animals. So Mm -hmm. that that was it. Right. Yeah. No. And 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 the abused and neglected part. um, So that's something you had your eye on from the beginning. Yes. That wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Just like us with senior German shepherds. So you have, did you have an experience then with abused or neglected animals like you personally, aside from seeing a free to good home in the paper or anything like that? I did see it. um, 
and tr- you know, at, at a young age, you you know, you're you're trying to change the world, and and you know, we were successful on a couple of things, you know, in in getting some animals, you know, taken away um, from people and and rehoming them, um, but. I was going to say unfortunately, but not really unfortunately. It, my dream was kind of cut short or actually put on hold because then I went into the military. Mm-hmm. So, I, like I said, I did my four years. And then when it was time to reenlist, uh, I sat down with my husband and I said, I, I can't I can't reenlist. I have to get back to the animals. Um, I have to do it. And. Mm-hmm. So we both got out of the military and that's what we did. We, we started um, just volunteering places and asking questions, soaking up all knowledge that I could get just for years. Um, I, I knew that I could make a difference and that I knew I had to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your service, first mm-hmm. of all, and your husband. Um, and. So, yeah, what I'm hearing is that rescue animals pulled you back in again. Yes. Right. That's your that's your natural calling. You you went you served our country, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. But ultimately, the animals were pulling you back in and you just knew that there were animals out there that were, you know, abused and, and neglected. And you knew you could do something to help them. You knew you could provide them sanctuary a loving uh, farm to live on full of people to care for them and get them out of the crappy situations they were in. Um, So I'm hearing that how you started a sanctuary was you decided to go and get experience first, go and volunteer and get your feet wet. Right. And I think that is so important. You know, we're all, we've all been in there where you just, you run into a burning, you know, a house on fire. You just, you're going to run in and you're going to save animals. But I, I slowed down a little bit. And I did listen to other sanctuaries or other people. And they said, you've got to learn, ask questions, um, study, just get as much information as you can. It will benefit you in the future. Right, right. I think it's fantastic that you did that, that you volunteered first. Um, You had mentioned mentioned in your in your note that you went to a conference at Farm Sanctuary in New York. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely spectacular place. Um, In 2012, we decided to make it official that we were going to become an official sanctuary. So 2012 was more prepping, figuring out rules, regulations and then in 2013, um, I was very fortunate enough to go to that conference. My mom and I went, and um, it was a stunning place. It was upstate New York. Um, we we laughed to this day because when we went on the first day, there was like 50 people. Uh, second day, there were 20 people. And on the third day, there was 12 of us left. <laughs> um, it was such an enlightening experience. I, I will never forget it. But I credit them so much for being so honest that a couple of the people there kind of shunned the people that left. And I said, it just, it wasn't for them. At least they got honesty in knowing what this life was about. I give them credit for leaving. It wasn't for them, you know, and I know in some manner, shape or form, those people are going to do animals in some way, whether it's donate money, whether it's whatever, but 
it was just good that they didn't jump into something and then not know what to do. So I was grateful right. for the honesty of Farm Sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like it helps. Uh, it helped weed out those who have great intentions, like you yes. said, but, but it either wasn't the season, the time of their life, you know, maybe they had small kids or their job was too demanding and they just couldn't do it. Or maybe they just realized, yeah, this, that's, that sounds too 24, seven, 365 for me. I don't want to do that. I'll just go walk dogs at the local shelter, which right. is a need, which is a, a total need too. So that is amazing. And I'm grateful to Farm Sanctuary for having a program like that, because I think there's lots of well-intended people out there who maybe jump the gun a little too quick and mm -hmm. things go south very fast. So exactly. good, good for you for doing that and, mm -hmm. and then for having it. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. So you said that you, you volunteered uh, to gain knowledge um, and that you knew you could make a difference. And then you went to the conference. Um, so, so what happened after that? Did you, did you then start the sanctuary right away? And did you have help? We started the sanctuary uh, as soon as I got back from Farm Sanctuary in 2000, October of 2013, we started it because they were so, um, what's the word? They gave you Everything that you needed, they told you forms, who to contact. So everything was laid out. So when I got home, I just started plugging things in, calling for licenses, calling for permits. So it was, they set you up for success. Um, what great. it was. It, yeah, mm -hmm. it truly was. So uh, 2013, we were, we were legit. And then mm -hmm. in 2018, we became nonprofit. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. Took a little longer, but um, but we made it. We we became nonprofit. Right. Right. Well, that's that's yeah. I mean, I, if you're going to do a farm sanctuary or an animal sanctuary, becoming nonprofit is the way to go. It does give you credibility. It holds you to a higher standard. Um, your your uh, people are a little more willing to donate. Yes. Um, to nonprofit organizations um, and it's tax deductible for for people who donate. So it's yeah. a win win, I think. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so how many animals are in your care now? Uh, right now, currently we have a bow. We've got 48 residents. I try not to count. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, because you don't want to, oh, do I really have that many? So but, but that's, that's a good number for right now. We, uh, mm -hmm. We're we in the process of uh, getting some other things lined up, but uh, currently 48. Mm -hmm. Okay. And can you tell us a little bit about your residence? What, what do you have in your care? Uh, we have, uh, let's see, we've got a horse, we've got a donkey, uh, we've got chickens and ducks, pigs and bunnies. Let's see, we've got pigeons, and we do a lot of exotics. Um, we do exotic birds. We have turtles. Uh, of course, we have dogs and cats. Um, we have some snails that I recently got. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. They're not... <laughs> He got snails, huh? I've got snails, um, exactly. <laughs> so we we have a little bit of of everything. Um, we don't. A lot of people will ask us if we do dogs or cats. 
our dogs and cats are rescues, but we focus more on the farm animals or exotic mm. animals because sometimes people don't know what what to do with these animals. Right. Um, and I, I think there's a, there's a lot of dog and cat rescues out there that um, people are really, really kicking butt with that, that the farm animals, they nobody knows what to do with them other than mm-hmm. euthanize them. And right, or slaughter. Mm-hmm. That was, yes, exactly, or slaughter mm-hmm. them. So we went that route and did, uh, and did the farm, farm life, so to speak. Yeah. Now, you said you have some exotics. Um, do you have to have a special permit for them where you are? Not with the ones we have. Um, any snakes that come in, we don't do venomous, else you would have had to have a permit for that. But we, we do snakes. Um, actually, we've got some ferrets. Oh, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, one of our board members has those because we can't have them here because we have the exotic birds. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a little love. Uh, the ferrets would go after the birds. So oh wow, exactly. So <laughs> we have a couple of things out um, with uh, with our board members, but really with us, nothing gets adopted out. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the simple fact that the animals that we take have been abused, neglected, whether it was, you know, physically, mentally, that these animals, they take so long in gaining a person's trust that there's no way that we feel comfortable adopting them out to somebody else. So everything right. that comes stays. And I hear what you're saying. And that, and that resonates with us here at Woody's Place as well. Uh, simply because we take German shepherds eight years and older, and, and most are geriatric when they come in. They're 10 years old. And I hear what you're saying. They may not be abused, but they're just so beat down by being displaced and and their trust is shaken that it takes them a while to get acclimated to where they are now. And then you're supposed to uproot them again and send them somewhere else. Like, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Just let them have their let them have their peace of mind, right? Yes. Let them know they're they're safe where they are, and these are the people that are caring for me, and I'm good, right? That's hands down, and you yeah. see it. You you truly see it in their demeanor as yep. they get more comfortable, uh, day after day. And sometimes it takes a long time to gain it, but you can you truly can physically see it in them the change. Oh, absolutely. So. Uh, how do the animals find their way to you? Um, of course, once everybody hears, uh, you know, that you're an animal rescuer, you there's no shortage of calls, as I'm sure you know as well. Yeah. Um, I used to volunteer, I'm sorry, I used to work at uh, the local animal shelter. So, and everybody knew there that I had a sanctuary. So I stay in contact with them um, and they will call me on the rough cases, things, again, that are, are pretty bad off or things that are going to get euthanized. Um, so they'll stay in contact with me. We've got a couple of vet techs, same thing. It's just that close circle of people um, that know what I do and know what they can place with me you know, that they can count on me for specific things. Um, and we do get um, calls off the, um, off our website or off Instagram um, for wildlife and for animals. If we can't help them, we will go out of our way to try and help them because they're doing something really good. They're either trying to save something or fix something. 
And now you're telling them, sorry, I can't help you. Thank you. Right. Goodbye. Right. Mm-hmm. So we really, they're doing their part. So now it's up to me. If I can't take the animal is to help them find a place for the animal. And it's, it's really been working. So you, you network with other farm sanctuaries to try to find a yes. place for that animal to go. You don't just leave the call or, or email or hanging. Um, and yeah. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Uh, we answer emails. We try to answer them right away. We try to get back to people. And I don't know how many times I've heard from people say, I've tried so hard and nobody's gotten back to me. Yes. And I think that's, that's, that's crappy. Just like you said, just try to give the person some direction Mm-hmm. So they can continue their mission to help whatever it is that they're they're trying to help. I'm I'm glad to hear that you are an organization who also sees the need to try to help someone trying to help an exactly. animal in need. <laughs> I mean, in the end, we're all in it together. It's mm-hmm. each one of us has our own different role. Right. Um, so you have to, you have to count and rely on each other. And when you do find those sanctuaries or those people that, you know, you can count on, boy, you grab onto them and you don't let them go. You, and that's, that's the truth. That's the God's honest truth. And sometimes that can, that can be a little hard to do mm-hmm. um, because everybody's so busy, you know, and, and that's something else I hear. Well, I didn't get back because I'm busy. Well, we're all busy. You know, everybody's kind of like, just drowning in animals in need, no matter what, especially since uh, COVID. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's just crazy right now, but you know, you still try to do what you can, but speaking of that, what does a, what does a typical day look like for you um, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed? I mean, you're, you're wearing a lot of hats throughout the day. Uh, I do get up early, usually around five 30. And then I have all my little trays out there and I fix them for all their morning snacks. Um, You do your cleaning chores in the morning. And then once it gets light, I can head outside. Um, Every single animal is looked at and made sure, you know, food and water is good um, before I leave to go to work. Uh, The ducks and chickens get fresh water in the morning. Um, So that's really just kind of prepping them for the start of their day. Uh, fresh food, water, snacks, um, and again, just making sure everybody's good. Uh, go to work when I come home, basically do it all over again. Um, but then I can add the fun stuff where I can do uh, major uh, grooming with them and, and belly rubs because um, now <laughs> I'm home. I can get into my uh, shorts and, and baseball hat and just get down and dirty mm-hmm. <laughs> and not have to worry about leaving. So <laughs> that's the fun part is coming home and again, doing it all over again. Um, uh, spring, summer, and fall are great months. Uh, winter, it all changes, uh, obviously, because of the cold. So mm-hmm. everything is <laughs> hotter and takes a lot longer. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Winter's, winter's no fun here either exactly. in Northeastern PA. I mean, it's, you know, shoveling and breaking ice, uh, you know, to, for the animals to get their water and stuff like that. And, and I say that because we have chickens and goats here at Woody's place as well. Obviously the dogs are inside, but we have animals outside too. So mm-hmm. I know, I know you have to give extra hay, um, yeah. to keep, to keep them warm and, and whatnot. So yeah, your chores take a lot longer in the winter time for sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then you're all bundled up. So you're, 
you know, you look like the abominable <laughs> right. snowman. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You're in your car hearts, you know, and yes. your boots. And it's like, yeah, it's hard to move around. You look like that kid in Christmas story, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, you wouldn't have it any other way, I'm sure. Um, so that's what a typical day looks like for you. Um, but as we both know, in sanctuary life, uh, there are times that the day is not so typical because new animals are, are, uh, are coming in or something is happening with one of your, your current animals. And you, you just have to you just have to wing it and go with it and get whatever it is you need for that animal, whether it's medical care um, sometimes fences break, unexpected things happen. So your day is busy already. How do you fit stuff like that in? You just have to switch gears. Um, I mean, you can make a plan, you know, for that day or at home, you know, you're like, okay, when I get home from work, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And you get home and then you're right. A tree fell down on a on a fence. So there goes that list. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a matter of uh, being able to switch gears quickly, being able to multitask and also having a, a good support system, mm-hmm. um, you know, to help our support. We, we don't tend to have a lot of volunteers just for the simple fact that our animals, we, we always say bad things happen to the animals that come to our sanctuary. So these animals are not trust. They don't trust people. So we, we try and bring volunteers to do cleaning days, moving days, big jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we save them for. But I have to say my, my board members are spectacular. Uh, my husband, who is just like Mr. Woody, He's behind the scenes, but he is there all the time. Uh, my brother is a godsend. I just have to make a couple calls, and they are there. So that's that's my my world. They are my circle. Okay. So the volunteers that you're using are pretty much for um, a specific job purpose. Like I just saw recently you got electric put into yep. some of your outbuildings. So you had help with that which yes. is phenomenal. That makes life so much better. Oh, <laughs> Electric in the buildings. <laughs> you would have thought I hit the lottery, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. But the day-to-day operations, are they're, they sound like they pretty much fall solely on your shoulders. Yes. And I prefer it that way. Um, that way, I know that each resident at the sanctuary is getting what I want. Mm-hmm. And they're getting the best of it. Um, and then I can spot things. If, if I know that a horse is a certain way, if she doesn't do that, of course, your eyebrow goes up. So you can really head off a lot of things if you are hands on and you know everything about that animal as much as possible. Right, right. I feel the same way with the Woody's Place dogs, although I do have uh, Mr. Woody's Place and our one volunteer, Karen, um, she, she, the dogs, she knows the dogs inside and out as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, because I too work, so I can't always be here. And, uh, she, you know, she's very comfortable, comfortable with the dogs and the dogs are very comfortable with her as well. But yeah, 99.9% of the time it's, it's me who's okay. doing the hands-on work with the dogs. And again, for the same reason. So 
you know, if something comes up, you know, a horse gets colic or a dog gets bloat, you know, in a heartbeat, that's not right. We have to get that animal, animal medical attention immediately where someone else might not notice it right away. And then it's too late. Very true. And we've had some major things, you know, happen. And, and honestly, the, the good hearted person would not recognize it. And, you don't ever want someone to feel, oh my God, it's my fault. Oh, I should right. know. We, we are not like that. Hey, you're here to help me. I thank you for everything. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I am responsible for each one of those animals. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, how do you go about raising the funds necessary for the sanctuary? I mean, it, it's not easy, especially this past year or so due to COVID. Exactly. That really, um, really put a kink in things. Um, although I, I do have to say, uh, my followers and, and donors, they stepped up later. Once they got their feet kind of set in the ground with their finances or once they knew what was going on, they stepped up and they, they sent me money. Some was a little bit extra or they, they sent me gift certificates to track the supply. So, I was very blessed in, in that fact that they didn't forget about me, which it was a very tough season. And for them to give, it was just, it was huge. It was phenomenal that people still wanted to, to help out and they did. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we, we do like one major fundraiser a year. And it's, it's a blitz and it's obviously right before um, winter because all you know, the costs of food are more, we need more food, more electricity. So we usually have a really, really good um, winter fundraiser, which goes over well. Uh, this year, we were able to add on, um, we were able to purchase merchandise so we Yay. could turn around and sell it. Yes. Uh, I love it. I have the cup here. Uh, I'm going to take a picture of it and put it on our Instagram feed. And we ordered them for Woody's Place. I love these cups you ordered. Tell oh. us a little bit about them. They are fantastic. Um, it's uh, silly cups. So they're a sil- silicone cup. They come in the funkiest colors. One glows in the dark. Oh, we got the glow in the dark one. <laughs> I was hoping. I can't wait to get one of yours. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. They're just a wonderful one. They're not breakable. So people that have pools are buying them. Kids, mm-hmm. people that have kids are buying them. But it's just a fun cup. The colors are really, it, they're going over huge over here. So um, I'm so glad you guys got them as well. It's going to be good for you. Yeah, they're swamped. But um, yeah, it's, so it's a silicone cup. Um, it, we got the 16 ounce. I think that's what yours is as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the lid, the silicone lid and the silicone straw. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it has your logo on it. And I got the fun tie dye color. Yes. Uh, which I love, but, um, so I can drink, I drink water throughout the day and I have ice cold water in here throughout the day. But first thing in the morning, I actually have my coffee in here. Cause you can have hot <laughs> beverages as well. Yes. In it. Well, yeah. it, it's a good product. They did their research and uh, I can see why it's so successful. Well, I'm, I'm hoping it is a successful fundraiser for you. And I can't see why it's, it wouldn't be because it's a great product. Great product. Um, but do you get, do you apply for any grants for the sanctuary? We've applied for, for one, which we didn't get. Um, 
And there's another one that just came down that we're in the process of writing it up. Uh, we're not professionals in this and grants are just so hard to write. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep doing our best. Um, Shannon, our uh, treasurer, she's very, very good at stuff like that. So I depend on her a lot for all of that, that stuff. Um, and again, we're just going to keep trudging away, doing our best. And if we get a grant, we do. If we don't, we'll move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, too, we, we seem to be doing well with our merchandise. Um, my brother and I own an antique shop here. And uh, we have an area where it's it's anything on these shelves is for the sanctuary. And people know that. So they'll go over to the, the shelves and they'll purchase jewelry or dog clothes, um, fig dog figurines. And, and then all of that money turns around. A hundred percent of it goes, goes back to the sanctuary. So that's a huge part of, um, of our money that comes in that helps. Okay. Um, tell us the name of the antique store and where it's located. We could it send is, we could send people there. Exactly. <laughs> it is um, recovered relics, and it is in Kingston, Tennessee. Okay, Kingston, Tennessee, recovered relics. So I'm going to put that in the show notes uh, in case anyone in there in the Tennessee area is interested in supporting the sanctuary. You can head on over there and make a make a purchase. It's exactly. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. So, um, what would you say? What would you say is the hardest part of sanctuary life? Uh, two things. Um, the first thing is not being able to save everybody. It's impossible. Again, mm-hmm. that's why we have to go back to helping each other. Then we can save everybody. But personally, it's when someone calls and I can't help, it just eats at me. It eats mm-hmm. at me. Um but the second thing is the is the most is the hardest for me. It is saying goodbye. It's letting them go. Um, I I can usually deal with when they come in the visual scarring, um, uh, their their scaredness, their trust issues, um, all the stories. Sometimes I do know stories behind them, and I can usually deal with that with not too many problems, but letting them cross that bridge, the, the rainbow bridge, that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. The hardest part I think is having to make that decision for them. Um, In my, in my opinion, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm sure you've had animals that have passed on their own Mm -hmm. there at the sanctuary. Um, We've, we've only had a couple of dogs pass on their own at the sanctuary. So having to make that decision when an animal is just too tired, too sick, can't do it anymore. And you know, this animal's not, there's no quality of life left. It is excruciating having to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it ever gets easier. Do you? It doesn't. And I think as we grow older or we're, we're in sanctuary life, we're told they they give us many many signs. Sometimes we're just being selfish, or or I'll speak for myself. Sometimes I'm being selfish, and I don't want that animal to leave. Um, but when you look back, that animal has given me signs. So I always go on them. 
And mm-hmm. it's as simple as I just look into their eyes and I know. Yeah. It's a selfless sanctuary life is a 100% selfless, selfless act. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you literally put yourself last and all yes. of these other animals first. I'm not just talking physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. You put them before you and it, it can really hurt. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> it. It does. And a lot of people say it takes a strong person. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. But there are a lot of great people out there that, you know, have gotten out of it. And I wouldn't say they're any less. It's that they've met what they could do and right. they know their limits and that's it. Um, and other people just handle things in different ways. Right. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what would you say? Um, what would you say you you love about sanctuary life? I, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, just being able to do what I do, um, being able to watch that abused animal come back, gain your trust, watching the body language, knowing that they're just out in the fields, um, in the sun. Um, eating hay. And we had one horse that we recently lost a few months ago. Very, very awful. And I will not say the details, very awful abuse case. And when she was also blind, which made her more dangerous because she didn't know what was around her. Um, It took six months to gain her trust. And I did it. And watching her out there just with the other two horses uh again in the sun uh rolling around that that made sanctuary life perfect um it was all worth it seeing Mm -hmm. her uh and you learn from that um you know you look over and it's pouring rain and you've fallen in the mud and who's (laughs) outside playing the ducks yeah. So while you're <laughs> while you're on the ground, probably cursing, you start to laugh because the ducks are having a great time. Yeah, they. It's a matter of perspective, right? It is. You're, <laughs> you're sitting in the mud with your boots stuck in the muck, and you can't get them out of the muck. And there they are having a good old time. <laughs> yeah, you just can't help but go. This is why I'm here. This is what I do, um, and and earning. Earning their love, earning their trust is the biggest thing that we could all all hope for and all achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it is, um, again, it is definitely your passion and it is a pull. It pulls you toward it. You don't have to push yourself to do it. You, you naturally want to do mm-hmm. sanctuary life. And um, I, I would go so far as to say it's, it's therapy. It's actual therapy, yes. not just for the animals, but... For, for us as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's no question about that. If And I'll tell people, you know, uh, if if you're having a bad day, just pet your dog. Mm-hmm. Stop what you're doing. Pet your rabbit. Uh, go throw a ball. Um, I was volunteering at a, uh, a horse rescue uh, some years ago, and there was a, a volunteer there that she had some issues going on very quiet and 
there was a horse that I eventually got <laughs> and she had, the horse had been tied out in the woods to starve, to, left to starve to death. And this volunteer walked <clears throat> over by herself and just hugged the horse just for five minutes, just stood there and was hugging the horse. The horse never moved, comforted her. So, and that's what that young girl needed. It was, I have a picture of it. I took a picture of it on my phone and I look back every couple months. I'll look at that picture and it just makes my heart good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She needed, she needed that, that hug as much as the horse needed the hug. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so what would, what are three things you would say to someone who wanted to, to start their own sanctuary? Research, research, research. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, simply we, we cannot save them all. Only take in what you can afford to take in and what you can physically handle. Um, have a plan. Uh, I know it's going to change a hundred times, but at least if you have something to go by, um, it's easier, you know, right. and we've done that. You know, the first year we started, we, we rescued X amount of animals. And when we felt comfortable <laughs> and we could, we could pay for their feed, pay for the ferry of vet bills. The next year we added a couple of more animals and, I remember years ago, another sanctuary woman, that's the, that's the tip she gave me. She said, do not overload yourself. There will be plenty of animals today, tomorrow, next year, the year after that. Just do what you can. It will all come. Mm -hmm. um, also specialize in your animals. Don't, don't have 50 different types of animals because now you're looking at 50 different types of food, vet care, mm -hmm. medicine, housing, it, the list goes on and on. So if you can specialize in your, in the animals you take in, in the long run, you will be able to give them a lot more. Um, sure. Yeah. Quality care. Right. And, and that makes sense about, about the food uh, because it's not cheap, especially for the larger animals, mm -hmm. like, you know, the horses and pigs, pigs require a lot of food as well. So yeah, that's, that's great advice. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say the three tips are uh, research, mm -hmm. have a plan and to know your limits. Don't get in over your head. Don't become a hoarder. Exactly. Slow. And, and we've used this too many, this phrase too many times, but it's true. Slow and steady wins the race. We'll mm -hmm. get there. We will get there. Right. And and so your plan is to help the animals that you can in your care, but to not go uh, beyond that so that you're you're taxed and stressed and, and kind of then everybody's suffering. It's true. And it's just our nature. We we all want to help, especially when mm -hmm. you see some of these bad cases, whether it be a, right. a dog, a pig, uh, a horse. But it, you're doing no help to that animal if you take it in and then you can't give it the best food or the best supplements or you can't afford the medicine they need to be on. So just make your plan, make your budget. Um, I know my treasurer, when I want something, 
and it's not in the budget, she'll look at me. She'll say, if you fundraise and you make the money, we can do it. Mm -hmm. And I love (laughs) her for that. We're all afraid of her. No, (laughs) (laughs) she's got her mind. I mean, she knows what I want ultimately. um, And she knows that we'll get there and we can't do it without her her being guidance. strict she needs to be strict with the money yeah <laughs> she does and and I, and I tell her you know I thank God for her all the time because looking back now I, I'm doing so much more because of how we did certain things right um, and we fundraise like I said if we want something special we do a fundraiser for it we get the money and then we can purchase you know whatever it is um, right so it really it's 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 huge. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Research, have a plan and know your limits. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I have to ask now you have a German shepherd because I've seen pictures of your German <laughs> shepherd. Can you tell us a little bit about your German shepherd? Yes. Uh, Bella Marie. Uh, Bella Marie. I love Bella it. Marie. <laughs> yeah. We've had shepherds ever since. I mean, we opened up our eyes, you know, we've always had a shepherd in our lives um, and there will always be a shepherd um, in our lives, but she, um, she came from a, uh, a backyard breeder and, um, he was just over his head. He was way, way over his head and she was the runt. Aww. Uh, and so nobody was wanting her and, and he was not going to make money on her. And, um, I just said, Hey, you ever want to get rid of her out? you know, that nonchalant, I'll take her. I think I got room for her. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he came back and he said, does that office still stand? You want this, this mangy little ma? I'm like, yeah, I'll take her. I I think I can help her. And when he handed her to me, boy, I didn't let go. You ran, huh? (laughs) You just ran. (laughs) I I just held on to that little thing. And um, (laughs) she, uh, she's amazing. She's going to be six uh, Uh years old this year. Um, they're just, they're a magnificent creature. Um, yes. I can't say enough about them. Um, going back again, that was my dad's favorite dog. We always mm-hmm. had them. And again, it just kind of, I'm following in his footsteps with that as well. You are, you're following in his footsteps with quite a bit. I mean, he, he really made an impression on you. Yes, And uh, I think a wonderful impression because I think it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing. I mean, I I personally, you know, love German Shepherds. So we have Woody's Place Senior German Shepherd Sanctuary, but I have uh, had farm animals and love farm animals. And I live in a rural area and, you know, I see farm animals all the time. And I, too, get upset when I see, you know, they're in slop and just not kept the way they should be. No one wants to live their life like that. Not even a yeah. cow, you know? Exactly. So yeah, if I had uh, the acreage that you do, you can bet there'd be farm animals out there too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we just bought a, uh, we upgraded last year. We were very, very, I, I keep using the word blessed, but that's all I can think of. I'm very blessed. We upgraded to a, a bigger farm. So uh, slow Good for steady. you. We, yeah. we will fill it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Build it and they will come, right? They will come. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I think this has been fantastic. You get you you just filled our minds with 
with uh, great thoughts of thank, uh, sanctuary life and what it is really like, you know, the good and the bad. I loved your three tips, research, have a plan and know your limits. I think that's, that's wonderful advice for anyone wanting to start a sanctuary, even if it's a snail sanctuary, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have snails now at your sanctuary. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with our listeners. I'm going to include your, your information in the show notes about your shop and your website and your Facebook and Instagram page. So hopefully people will be able to learn more about what it is that you do and see what it is that you do. I think you're an amazing person. Well, right back at you because I, I so enjoy, you know, seeing what you post, seeing, you know, the, the dogs and, and learning from you. You, uh, you've taught me many things that you, you don't know you did. Um, and, and oh, I'll thank you. Yes. And I've, I'm putting them to use here at the sanctuary. And um, again, enjoy what you do as well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, again, thanks for having or thanks for being a part of our show. Yeah, I need another cup of coffee. I switched to decaf. It's not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, forget the decaf. <laughs> okay. Thanks again for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you.